They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome to Bible with the Barbers. And Terry has stepped out for a few minutes to do some errands, and he'll be right back. But um, we'll begin here on this Tuesday um, with a reading of the gospel of the day. Again, we are in the 33rd week of Ordinary Time. The liturgical year is drawing to a close. And the gospel is from Luke 19, 1 through 10. And at that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see Jesus. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. (laughs) But Zacchaeus stood his ground and said to the Lord, Behold, half my possessions I shall give to the poor, and if I have extorted anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. Here poor Zacchaeus is. He's, he's uh, in, as we say nowadays, in bed with the enemy. Yeah. You know, he's... He's cooperating with the Romans. He's collecting taxes from the Jews, and the Jews hate him. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a very short little guy, you know, so he can't see all these tall people standing around. He can't see where Jesus is, so he climbs up a tree. Mm-hmm. And Jesus comes and stops, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to eat in your house today. Now, Zacchaeus receives him with joy, but the people are like, why are you going to his house? I mean, come on, couldn't a, you have picked one of us? He's a bad guy. He's stealing from us. <laughs> he's a traitor. Yeah. And, and so when they accuse him, Zacchaeus looks at the Lord and he says, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. Hello, is this microphone on? Is anybody awake out there? Are we hearing the gospel? What did he say? I will give half of my possessions to the poor. Whoa, good morning. Half. How many of us are willing to say, I'll give half of everything I have to the poor? Whoa. In addition to that, and I always wondered about this, he said, if I've extorted anything from anyone, I will pay it back fourfold. And that goes to a biblical verse in the Old Testament that you were supposed to do that. Jesse and I talked about that earlier in our show. But you know what, Mary, what I found interesting is Zacchaeus was the head guy for collecting taxes. In so, Jericho, I mean, yeah. he made some money. Yeah. And when I understood from reading about the commentary, they uh, it wasn't done like with the IRS for us, well, you know, this percentage, you're in this bracket. Right, right. They basically took what they could get as much as possible out of <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. You know, they threatened you. They did all kinds of immoral things right. to get the taxes. And then whatever was what the government wanted, they took anything above that. So they they right. they were 
they were people that weren't looked highly after. I mean, they thought that they were like thieves, from what I read. Right, right, and that's that's how the tax collectors were considered. And and here Zacchaeus has this encounter with the Lord, and he has this conversion, mm-hmm. and this is what it means. Mm-hmm. This is this. So when we encounter Christ, you know, people, there's this saying that goes around, you know, oh, Christians aren't different; they're just forgiven. Well, you know, actually, because they're forgiven, it makes a difference. And here's the deal. Here's Zacchaeus. Would he say Christians aren't different? They're just forgiven? He would say no, but because I've encountered Christ, now I am different. Mm. My encounter with Christ makes a difference. It will make a difference in me. We're not dunghills covered with snow. We are renewed from within by the grace of Jesus Christ. Christ gives us, Jesus Christ gives us the grace to be able to change our lives and give up sin, to stop using other people as objects or commodities and see them as persons to be loved, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, as children of God who are made in God's image. And so Zacchaeus really experiences this conversion and, and his, his story shows us what it means to truly be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ and to, to really have that encounter with Christ that does make you different. It changes who you are. Because now you're living from God's perspective for God and to bring other people to God, not from a worldly perspective and not just for yourself. You know, I think of uh, Zacchaeus being the patron saint for um, sinners. There you go. Because of his lifestyle and how he turned it around from St. Augustine, all these uh, saints that were living wicked lives that turned their lives around. It's just a great story. You know, Jesus came to seek out and save what was lost. Exactly. Remember, he he didn't say, he said, I didn't come to save the Mm self-righteous. Now, the self-righteous are those who say, well, I'm righteous and I don't need to be saved. Mm -hmm. That's pride. And you know what? God can't do anything with the proud. Mm -hmm. So we need to give up that pride and realize we're all sinners. As Bishop Sheen had to speak to the prisoners and he was wondering what he should say. So he was praying. He said, Lord, what do I say to them? And he got up before all these prisoners and he said, well, gentlemen, there's only one difference between you and I. You got caught and I didn't. We're all sinners. And that's it. We're all sinners. And we have to recognize that. And once we recognize that, then we stop putting other people down. Well, Mary, I want to just give a little nugget here at the Bible with the Barbers on spiritual nuggets. It's about devotions because here we read the Word of God. And as we know, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And I want to just give you an outline that Holy Mother the Church gives us as a spiritual formation that every day we can think about. For example, we all know Sunday is dedicated to the Blessed Trinity. This is the church saying, think about that every Sunday. Attend Mass, if possible, receive Holy Communion. Cultivate a great heart and zeal for the one triune God. Number two, Monday. Guess what? If you haven't heard this for the first time, write it down. Mondays are dedicated for the souls in purgatory. This is November, especially the whole month is dedicated to the poor souls in purgatory. So pray for your relatives, your friends, and I might add your godparents. Keep everybody in your prayers. So every Monday, do a little sacrifice for the poor souls in purgatory, even if it's not November, (laughs) in December. Continue that holy practice. Amen. Tuesday, guess what? It's dedicated to the guardian angels. Pray as often to your guardian angel. And asking for help. Remember I mentioned the unemployment rate for guardian angels is way too high. Put them to work. So every Tuesday, if you get to go to Mass or just dedicate that day and think about your guardian angel. Wednesday, one of my favorite days, 
because guess who is dedicated to? St. Joseph. Joseph. And I heard that Father Calloway, our good friend, in January is going to have a book on St. Joseph. So don't Praise forget God. that. Praise so God. pray to St. Joseph that you may obtain a good and holy death. Amen. Remember, St. Joseph is, uh, has, has got some titles that are really powerful on the spiritual life. And um, one of his uh, titles is, um, is, in regards to spiritual warfare, is uh, coming to my mind, Terror. Terror, of Demons. Terror of Demons. Terror of Demons, thank you. came to my mind now. Thank you, my love. Thursday. I bet you know what we're going to do on Thursdays. Every Thursday. If you're not doing this, start practicing. And I make an effort every day to think like this. Thursday, Holy Eucharist, the priesthood. Throughout the day, make some spiritual communions. If you're in Covina, we pray at our chapel from 7 to 9. Through the evening. In the evening, every Thursday evening, because it commemorates the Holy Eucharist and the priest. And we pray for our priests, our bishops, our Holy Father. So, Every Thursday, if you can't be there, but think about the, the, what a great treasure the Holy Eucharist is. And then, of course, on Friday, you'd, you'd figure it out, the Passion of Christ, right? So we should make some sacrifices on Friday, not just necessarily not eating meat, but some other sacrifice, helping the poor, doing some charitable act at work. But every Friday, make an effort to read a little bit on the Passion of Christ, right. because it really makes us realize that the world we're living in is temporary. Yes. All yes. these days help us realize that we have a we have a home, but it's not here. Yeah, our permanent home is yeah. not here. And then Saturday, mm-hmm. what did Bishop Sheen offer Mass every Saturday? Bless too? Mother Mary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full Sheen ahead. Bishop Sheen, pray the rosary and other practices, not just on Saturdays, every day, but on Saturday, offer your Mass to the Blessed Mother. It's just have devotion to her and thinking about the role. What did Mary do? She brought us Jesus Christ. Right. And so these are the days of the week that I would encourage you. And one last thing, Mary, I would like to pray this prayer that the Opus Angelorum has asked us to pray for Holy Mother of the Church. And my wife and I will pray it together. It's for the church's need. Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ, Christ, back back then, during the storm of the Lake Gesserit, you pretended to be asleep to test your disciples' strength strength of faith and trust. Today, too, the bark of your church is in a violent storm such as it has scarcely ever withstood. The enemy has penetrated into the church and wants to breach the bark from within so that it may sink. O Lord, do not sleep. Do not test our fidelity to faith any longer. And look upon our frightened hearts. Stretch out your hand and command the enemy to leave the bark whose hole he tried to tear open. Accept our pleas and our exploratory commitment and give, and give your, your angels, angels the strength, the strength of, a of a decisive help. Amen. Why do we pray that? Because your prayers have an effect <clears throat> on Holy Mother of the Church. Mary, when we come back from the break, we got a new book we're starting, Romans, right? That's right. Well, That's you right. know what? Uh, Romanism and Romans. Scott Hahn did a whole series on that. Yes, he did. Oh, my gosh. If you want to get a copy of Scott's set on Romans, just call 877-526-2151. It's a fantastic 13 hours of Scott Hahn. But when we come back, we're going to cover the book of Romans, and that's going to take a little bit, isn't it? Oh, yeah. We won't do it in one day. No. <laughs> so put your seatbelt on. Go get yourself a cup of coffee and hot tea, and we'll continue a Bible study on the book of Romans here at the Bible with the Barbers. Also, make, it, make a note. Go to Virgin Most Powerful Radio's website and take a look at 
the events that are going on. We've got some great events coming up. We'll be back with much more with the Bible with the Barbers. Welcome to our January 11th, 2020 Spiritual Warfare Conference. Every year without fail, this is our most popular, well-attended event. This year's Spiritual Warfare Conference will host Adam Bly, a Catholic demonologist and an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists, along with Dr. Luis Sandoval, a psychiatrist who's part of the Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism team for the Diocese of Orange. These two gentlemen bring tons of experience and expertise in the area of spiritual warfare. This is going to be a high-information Catholic seminar. I'll be there as well, sharing some riveting stories on the diabolical and liberation found through Jesus Christ from my best-selling book, The Devil in the City of Angels. Mark your calendars, come and join us, and meet other radio hosts from Jesus 911. Contrary to popular belief, spiritual warfare is not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Come join us and learn how to armor up and fight the good fight of faith. Catholics, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Join us at St. Christopher Catholic Church, 629 South Glendora Avenue, West Covina, California, on January 11, 2020. See you then. Strength and honor in Jesus' name. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we come to understand. According to St. Augustine, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that you may believe, but believe that you may understand. May God grant us a strong living faith in Him and His divine plan of salvation and help us to believe so that we may understand. selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And we have Romans. We did the introduction last week. And so we're at Romans 1, verse 16. And what is Paul talking about? At the very, just this very first, this one paragraph here, he's talking about the power of the gospel. And he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation mm. to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For it, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written. He who through faith is righteous shall live. So Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. He's going to preach it to everyone. The Jews first. Why? Because the Jews were the people God chose. And they're the first ones to receive the, the promise of salvation. But the promise of salvation wasn't just for the Jews. It was for everyone. God wants all men to be saved. He desires all men to be saved. So then Paul goes on and he brings up an interesting point. And it's about God's wrath against man's wickedness. 
verse 18. And some people say, oh, God is so good. You know, he would never condemn anyone to hell. He would never. Well, I'm sorry, honey. I don't think you've really read the scriptures. <laughs> God is so good that he cannot tolerate evil. That's right. Okay. Everything that God made is good. Sin is evil. Sin is the rejection of goodness. When you sin, you're turning your back on God. You're saying no to God. When Adam and Eve said no to God, they said no. And God, that's how, that's how death entered the world. God, when he made man, didn't intend for man to die. And that's evident from the scriptures. But man sinned. And because man sinned, death entered the world through the envy of the devil. Sin entered the world and with sin, death. And also disease and all the disruption in, in nature and all the, you know, wars and rumors of wars. Because mm-hmm. those things come from sin. Well, what is what is the what does Paul tell us here? Mm-hmm. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Now, I titled the show today, That God Exists is Not an Article of Faith. What gives me that silly idea? I mean, obviously, if you you have to believe in God to believe, you have to have faith, right? No, actually, we can know that God exists without faith. Why and how do we know this? Well, the scripture tells us so. Romans. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and in their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man or birds or reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So, because that's really applicable to us today. Absolutely. Do we worship God? Do I need faith to know that God exists? No. And the, you know, with all due respect to the atheists, I understand many times things happen in our life in regards to religion that make us feel like uh, this couldn't really be from God. And what happens is we get an emotional response and we reject God because of some trauma in our life. But that God exists is not an article of faith. You don't need faith to know it. God has given every human being the power to reason. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have a rational power. And we can know the existence of God from the good things God has created. The very fact that there is creation says there had to be a creator. That's right. That there's order in the universe and in all of creation says there had to be an intelligent person behind it designing that order. Everything that God made is made with such exquisite beauty and goodness and design. It's, there had to be a source of that beauty and that goodness and that design. Even the pagans knew this. The pagan Greeks, read the pagan philosophers. They knew there had to be a first cause, an uncaused cause, Mm -hmm. an uncreated creator. If you have creation, 
Now, the difficulty was what? Well, it, it's difficult for us to know God. Now, to, to know that he exists and is, we don't need faith. But to know who he is in himself, yeah. Okay, now, now we have to take the next step. Now we have to open ourselves up to him and say, okay, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Show me who you are in the truth of your being, in the truth of your own existence. And then we have to humble ourselves because God is beyond our capacity to intellect, okay? He's beyond our thinking power. We can't create him as he is. He is who he is, regardless of what I think about him. You know, so it's like, well, I don't think a good God would ever send anybody to hell. Well, honey, if you ask God, God is God. I'm not. And what I think about God doesn't make God who he is. God is who he is, independent of what I think. I think also an action item that we should have when we're going through this process is have an attitude of gratitude so that when we see creation, we see a sunset, we see the birds, we see a tree, we see a fruit tree bearing fruit. Don't say, oh, well, it's an apple tree. No. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. This is beautiful. This is glorious. Take Take time to stop and look. And I, it's hard in the city to see the night sky, yeah. okay? It's, it's really hard. Works, yeah. But every once in a while, maybe take the time to go out of the city a little ways, to go where it's dark, really dark, and there's no light pollution, as they call it, and look up at the sky and just praise the God who made all of those stars and all of those galaxies and all of those planets out there, that entire universe out there. It's all created. Yeah. It was created, and yes, an attitude of gratitude that we need to give thanks to him. We didn't honor what happened here, and what does it say? So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. By the way, when we ignore the reality of the existence of God, it darkens our intellect. Of course, you can't see. We don't see things clearly, and we start to believe false things. And this is what happened. Man began to worship the creature rather than the creator. And it's interesting. Paul talks about the consequence of that. So you don't need faith to know that God exists. It's a self-evident truth, and it's self-evident from the beauty, the goodness, the order in creation, the fact that there is a creation. And as Bishop Sheen once said, you don't think that you're connected to the past? When you go to bed tonight, check and see if you have a belly button. <laughs> That's what he said. You know, <laughs> you're connected to the past, honey. Exactly. And in other words, you didn't make yourself. None of us made ourselves. We were made by God. And we were made for this union with God that Paul talked about in the introduction to Romans when he said, we're called to holiness. We're called to be saints. And to be a saint simply means to live in union with God. So... When we start worshiping the creature rather than the creator and what's happened in our day and age, you know, people are saying, oh, there's no God. And so what are you worshiping? Oh, they worship man. They worship themselves. People declare themselves to be gods. You know, I'm my own God. I get to make up the truth. No, it doesn't work that way, honey. Actually, you're not. That's a lie. But we can believe these lies. But what happens when we believe these lies? And it's just it is so apropos. Paul gives some pretty strong words in Romans. And I, I imagine there are some people who are really would not like to read the letter to Romans, but we need to read it. This is not a condemnation of the sinner. This is saying that our sins separate us from God, but God gives us the grace to overcome sin. 
There's no sin that you can't give up. There's no addiction that you cannot overcome if you turn to the Lord and ask him for strength. So the graces are there, everyone. Don't think, oh, I could never overcome X, Y, or Z. Absolutely. You can because the graces are there from your baptism. Absolutely. Your confirmation, especially, this is where the graces really come in, when you repent and go to confession. Absolutely. And then receiving our Lord in the Eucharist to give us oh. the strength to resist sin. And the deal is if you haven't had the, the beauty and the, the, the um, privilege of receiving those sacraments, then turn to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I want your grace. Mm-hmm. I want to know who you are. Reveal yourself to me. You know, we need to get down on our knees and humble ourselves mm-hmm. before God. We got to stop worshiping creatures. Yep. Because worshiping creatures doesn't lead to a good thing. As a matter of fact, St. Paul outlines it here, and it's pretty ugly. And what does he say in verses 26? And I know these these verses make a lot of people uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people that wish these verses would go away. Oh, yeah. This is not a condemnation of anyone. Sin is what separates us from God. No created thing can separate us from God. Only sin can. And sin is not a creature. It's not a thing. It's the rejection of being. It's the rejection of goodness and truth. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own person the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct. They were filled with all manner of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decrees that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but approve those who practice them. Whoa. That's powerful. And you know, Mary, there are people in the church that are out there saying that, hey, you know, um, I think it was Father Martin, I've got a mercy on him. He was saying that, you know, maybe the Bible's wrong on this, basically. He said, we, you know, we have to think that it could be wrong. But, you know, Mary, that comes back to uh, the inerrancy of Scripture. The Bible can't lie to us. This exactly. is the truth. This is God's word. Scott Hahn did, Can You Trust the Bible? Years ago on the inerrancy of Scripture. And many of these people who speak poorly about the Bible don't believe it's actually God's word. No, they don't. They, they really don't. don't believe in inerrancy. And Scott Hahn was going to show you all the, me- the the skeptical methods of liberal Protestantism was hijacked by Catholic biblical criticism. He's going to show you the difference between divine inspiration of the Bible and divine assistance that's given to popes and the church councils. All this is going to be a white top. I hate to say it, how do the true teachings of recent popes and Vatican II have been hijacked by liberal scholars. You talk about this in in the Bible with the barbers. But Scott Hahn does it. I'm just going to give it away if people want it. Give me a little donation, but you get a download on it. Call 877-526-2151. And that's the only way you can get it. Just call us. 877-526-2151. And Anthony will send you a link 
So you can hear 13 hours on Scott Hahn's biblical teachings on the inerrancy of Scripture. When I heard it, it blew me away. We'll be right back with much more Bible with Barbers. This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies. Featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14, 2020, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today or at Aramis at the Triduum. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com. Click there on our website, log in your Amazon account, and when you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, welcome back. And we want to take a little bit closer look here at Paul's letter. I know this is uncomfortable for some people, but it's important for us to realize and recognize. What is this rooted in? Well, first of all, how did God make man? God made man in his own image. Mm -hmm. In the divine image, he made him. Male and female, he made them. He created them. So God made man, and he made him a specific way, and he made us to be in relation with one another. And what happens here? When we reject God, what's interesting is all the pagan religions in the ancient world, and even today, you know what goes along with paganism? Sexual immorality. Of course. Goes along with the only religion that maintains sexual purity is the, the worship of the true God. And now, granted, I'm not saying that all people who, who know the, 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 the religion that God has revealed follow that law perfectly, but we have the grace to do so right. if we ask. 
But right now we find ourselves in a world where we are compromising with the world and saying, well, you know what? Anything goes. And God really understands we're human. Yeah, God understands we're human. He made us, but he made us in his image. And we have to realize that, you know, it's not just in Romans that this is addressed. Okay. This all, all homosexual activity is gravely disordered. It goes against nature because God made human beings, male and female, complementary. In not only in their minds, our, our psyches are different, but our bodies are different because we're complementary. We can then, with the grace of God, procreate. We can become like God and that in the marital embrace, in the conjugal act, a husband and wife reach out and God reaches out to them and takes their hand and he can bless their union with children. And, and the conjugal act is supposed to be unitive and procreative. It's love and life. We give ourselves totally, and that's in complete union, not holding anything back, not even our fertility. And then it's open to life because that's how God is in himself. He is always loving and he's always life-giving. And in the Trinity, God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a family. He's the first family. There's fatherhood, there's sonship, and the essence of the Trinity, which is the essence of the of excuse me the essence of the family which is love the holy spirit so the, the the godhead is a trinity of persons who are in relation to one another cooperating with one another never at odds with each other and so the human family is supposed to reflect this and husbands and wives in the marital act have the opportunity to procreate in connection with god god is the creator only god can give life to a soul and so all sexual immorality goes against what God has created. Not just homosexuality, by the way, fornication, adultery, go against what God has created. Because God is not unfaithful to himself. And he's not unfaithful to his people. God is always faithful. And so when man indulges in, in immoral behavior, immoral sexuality, he actually degrades himself. The immoral man sins against his own body. All immorality is a sin against your own body. Okay, homosexual acts, fornication, masturbation, um, adultery, all sins against the sixth and ninth commandment are sins, the person who commits them sins against their own body. We have the grace to overcome these sins with God's help. You know, Mary, what you're saying, Our Lady of Fatima, who, and for those who don't know the message, came in 1917. One of her messages is that sins of the flesh are offending our Lord, and many souls are going to hell because of sins of the flesh. Right. And we think about our culture and how we have to be rooted in the scriptures because think of the immoral pornography that's going on all over our country and all over the world yeah. and how it's it's reaching into people's souls and they're getting into immoral lives because of pornography. It's, a, right. it's, it's just been horrible. It's destroyed family it life. Is. It is. It and destroys so everybody. That's why, again, you know, we know that uh, Jesus Christ will forgive us of any sin that we commit. But I think the bottom line is St. Paul is not holding back and speaking so clearly on this issue. He's not politically correct. And that's right. important to know because yes. we need to know the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. Right. I'm a little disappointed sometimes when I hear 
even in our church, where we try to explain the Word of God and say that, well, that's not what he really meant. And I've heard that, and I'm disappointed. But I think sometimes, and I'll give the priest or the deacon the benefit of the doubt, he thinks that if he offends you, you might leave the church or you might... Um, you know, be upset about it right. or not like him. Yeah. And it has, those are all bad reasons Absolutely. not to give people the truth. Right. And so again, <clears throat> the Bible, the catechism is very clear about sins of the flesh. Absolutely. And, and it's offensive in this. Why? Well, St. Paul in first Corinthians six nineteen, Paul talks about the body. We have, there's a theology of the body. <clears throat> okay. And he talks about the body you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Know you not that you're a temple of God's Spirit, that God dwells in you? This is what we were created to be, a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. And so when we sin, we sin against that the whole, and, and believe me, we, we sin against our own body, and our body is supposed to be a dwelling place for God. And, and St. Paul is not living, living in an easy culture. He's, you know, he's writing to the Corinthians. He writes to the Romans. He's writing to a pagan cult. These are people who converting from paganism where, by the way, prostitution was, was part of their say, worship. It's very similar to us today in the sense of immorality. People were exercising without clothes on. Yeah. There was a, a, a real... Um, Degradation, degradation that was going on, similar to our own culture. Exactly, and that was, and this is the culture that Paul is in, where actually temple prostitution was part of their worship. Wow, you know, so women were degraded and used as objects. They were supposed to, they were supposed to uh, give some kind of, uh, you know, divine um, ecstasy Mm -hmm. to every man that came along, and it's like. You're asking too much. First of all, no, we were made for union with God. And so any union with any other human person, even a holy union in marriage is going to fall short of course, of what we're looking for because we're looking for union with God. And so, and I understand, you know, oftentimes people turn to homosexuality or they have homosexual tendencies because they've been molested as children. And many of them think they were born that way because they were molested as infants or before they reached the age of reason. And I'm sorry, this is the sad truth of the world we live in. When we turn away from God, little children become objects to be used. And what, you know, the famous case now of this, God have mercy on his soul, Epstein, and I'm sure he didn't kill himself in prison. Someone else killed him, but why? Because he knew too much. But he was a wicked man. He had given himself over to sin. And why didn't anybody along the path reach out to him and say, Jesus Christ came to save you from sin. He doesn't want you using little girls and little children as objects to be used. They're not. They're persons to be loved. And by the way, Epstein, you're a person to be loved. May God have mercy on your soul and pour out his precious blood upon you. And by the way, all the people who cooperated with him and went to his place. And yeah, he was a blackmailer, right? All of these things, it's funny. They're heartless, ruthless, right? Someone just, by the way, thank you, Mr. Engineer. Ruth, Ruth means to have compassion on another. You know what ruthless means? To absolutely have no compassion for another person. Hitman. Yeah, you're a hitman. No, and this is what Epstein was. He blackmailed everybody who he provided services, right? Immoral living, degradation of every human person that he came in contact with. And then he, but he blackmailed them all because he videotaped them all. So every person who ever came through his door that um, availed themselves of his immoral services was blackmailed by him. 
So he had a lot of enemies that wanted him dead because he had all the proof that he needed to expose a lot of people who didn't want to be exposed. But we need to pray for people that we will, the world, we need to turn back to God. We need God. We need God. And this is Paul's point. When we turn away from God, believe it or not, this is the kind of life. It's like, you don't even want to talk about the kind of things Epstein did or think about them. And as Paul says that in one of his letters, he said, the kind of things these people do in private, don't even mention them. It's so horrible. It's degrading to the human person to even think about. And yet God came to save all these people. Jesus Christ came to seek out and save what was lost. Yes, the Bill Clintons and the Hillary Clintons and all the Democrats out there who are voting for, for infanticide and the killing of little babies as if this is going to solve some problem in the world. You know, all the people who are voting out there to turn this world into a one world government where everybody is subject to the government and now the government becomes the God. No, this isn't what God wants. Nope. This isn't what God made. But you know what? If we turn away from God and Bishop Sheen said this, he said, parents, the more you abdicate your authority, the more and more the state will take in and step over. That's a fact. And now what's happening in the schools, the state run schools, what are they teaching in the schools? What are your children being taught? Have you looked, have you looked at the books? Have you gone to the classes? Have you gone in to observe what's being happening in your children's classrooms, what they're being taught? Mm. Little children are being taught that they're homosexual. Little kindergarten boys, because they like to play with other boys are being taught that they're homosexual wrong this is natural normal child development little boys like to play with little boys little girls are being taught because they like to play with little girls they're they're lesbian no honey little girls like to play with little girls it's not until little boys and little girls hit puberty normally i was weird when i was six years old i was looking at all the boys i was thinking about marriage already i wanted to get married and have a family i I love being part of a big family and i just thought i'm just gonna get married and have 12 kids and i didn't realize at six years old not yet honey (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, I wasn't doing anything immoral. I just was, I was boy crazy from the time I was six. You know? yeah. <laughs> Took me till I was 32 to get married. God had to slow me down a bit, you know? <laughs> hey, you know, watch out. But, but the point is, little boys that are attracted to other little boys are not homosexual. And little girls that are attracted to other little girls are not homosexual. That's not what homosexuality is, okay? And so children are being lied to and they're actually being, this is child abuse. They're being abused. And they're being told that they can choose their gender. No, honey, our gender was assigned by God. We're made in God's image. And God made us either male or female, not in a confusion. If there is real confusion, and there can be, it's because of of molestation or neglect. We have not been shown the truth. What's interesting, we all want happiness. We all want joy. And we're looking in all the wrong places in the world today. That's why here the Catholic faith has the answer for the meaning and purpose of life especially the theology of the body of St. John Paul II. You should check that out when we're talking about, you know, conjugal love. We're talking about marital love. We'll be right back with much more on the Bible with the Barbers. This is Jesse Romero. And I'm Terry Barber. From the Terry and Jesse Show. And we invite you to listen to the Holy Hour of Power, High Energy Catholic Radio. We're two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. We're on Monday through Friday on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. What we're going to give you is masculine Catholic teachings on the faith. 
You know, we say we're too inspired to be tired, we're too protected to be dejected, and we're too renewed to be subdued. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. And we will take each issue of the day and show you how the Catholic Church has the answer for our culture. What we really do is bring men back into the Catholic Church, which it's about time to do. We want men to be leaders in their Catholic faith so that they can bring their family to heaven. Our program is not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And our program is where Catholicism and culture intersect. It's high-energy Catholic radio. We're going to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and His bride to the church. The Terry and Jesse Show on the Virgin Most Powerful App. Leviticus 11.44 says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. St. Vincent Pilati said, You must be holy in the way God asks you to be holy. God does not ask you to be a Trappist monk or a hermit. He wants you to sanctify the world and your everyday life. May God show us the path to holiness and help us to follow it all the days of our life. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back here to our final session um, section of the, today's program. And um, I, I always like to answer a question that has come in on the app listeners' questions. And it's interesting because this question actually came up in my Bible study. I do a Bible study at the chapel tonight at, uh, from 7 to 9, and then again on Thursday afternoon from 1 to 3. Anybody's welcome to join us for Bible study. Um, someone was asking about the Nephilim, and someone had asked us a question back in September, I believe it was late September, about the Nephilim, and, and we need to be careful of the Nephilim. They're a real threat to the church. And what's, what's interesting is the biggest threat to the church is sin, okay, and that's what Paul is talking about here. When we turn away from God, that's what destroys the church, okay? But what, who were the Nephilim? All right, in Genesis chapter 6, you have this passage. When man began to multiply on the face of the ground, and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of men were fair, and they took to wife such as they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, but his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. They were the mighty men that were of old, the men of renown. That's Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Well, so who are the Nephilim? This race of giants, right? And then somebody sent us something that, well, you know, they found 
archaeological evidence of the Nephilim. What's interesting is I did some research on this. This is why it took me a long time to get to the answer to this. This person asked the question back in, in September, but then again, someone at my Bible study asked it last week. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe I should talk about this just a little bit. And the deal is that, that archaeological evidence they found of supposedly these giant creatures, well, actually, those were mammoth, the woolly mammoth. So uh, it wasn't really men's bones. But are there large men in the world? There always have been. Even right now today, you have the pygmies in, who aren't large. They're very, very small in Africa. And then you have the Watusis, who tend to be extremely tall. And you have all over, you know, we have more and more of this. And what's interesting is in the, in the Orient, in the East, oftentimes in, you know, China, the people are very small. But it turns out that when those people come to America, their children outgrow them. And it's beginning to be believed that maybe that has to do with nutrition, that their, you know, their, their nutritional sources were limited because there were so many people, they ate a lot of rice, so they didn't have the nutrition to develop to their full size. Just throwing that out there. But in regards to the scriptures, okay, what do we have here? Well, the Nephilim, some people like to think that, well, this was the angels, fallen angels mating with women. Well, there's a problem there. Number one, angels don't have bodies. Number two, an angel cannot reproduce itself. An angel can't create another creature. So it's an impossibility. And there were, there were fathers of the church in ancient Jewish writings that believed that, that, that kind of espoused that idea that maybe that's what had happened. But, and that's where the giants came from. But the problem is you have this huge problem. Well, how do you explain that? Because angels can't reproduce themselves. That's the nature of angels. Every angel is its own species, and no angel can reproduce itself. And um, another interpretation is that the, the sons of God are of the righteous line of Seth. Remember, there is Cain and Abel, and Cain killed Abel, and then God gave Adam and Eve Seth in, in the place of Abel. And Abel was righteous, Seth was righteous, and Abel was made in Adam's image, Adam was made in God's image. He's a son of God. And so then Seth is made in Adam's image. And now he's, he's also a son of God. So the, the children of Seth are considered the sons of God. And the daughters of men are the daughters of Cain. And what happens? Well, the, the righteous line of Seth began to intermarry with the unrighteous line of Cain. But what they started doing is the Canaanites were, had rejected God and they were worshiping false idols. They worshiped, they turned away from God and they, they rampant in their society was sexual immorality. And so they took wives, what does it say here? Such as they chose. In other words, with no regard to what God had set down regarding who you could or could not marry or how many wives you could have. So there's this whole reality of sexual immorality behind this passage. And what's interesting is people kind of get caught up in the whole debate about the Nephilim, and they miss the whole passage. Every scriptural passage is within a context. What's the context of this passage? Well, just before this passage... We're told that one of the descendants of Seth is Noah, and Noah is righteous, okay? And then, right after this passage, it says that 
immoral that the, the men became so wicked that God decides to destroy the earth. Genesis chapter six is the chapter that tells us about the beginning of Noah's ark then the building of Noah's ark that God, God had decided to destroy everyone on earth, except that he found Noah, a son of Seth, righteous. Noah hadn't married a Canaanite. He hadn't given into the immorality of his time. He had remained faithful to God. And so through Noah, God is able to save the human race. But again, it ties into this sexual immorality. The Canaanites abandoned God because Cain had killed Abel and Cain felt sorry for himself. God had warned him, sin is knocking at the door, but you can be its master. How? By turning to the Lord and asking him for the strength you need. So when we don't turn to the Lord, when we don't honor God as he needs to be honored because he is God and we are not, we give in to the passions of our flesh and the disorder of our flesh, which tends towards sin and tends to turn away from God. And it's not good for us. And so right here, the Nephilim in Genesis, the point is not that there were these giants on this earth and where do the giants come from? Well, you know, where does a giant come from in any family? I don't know. My brother Patrick is five foot 10 or 11 maybe and his wife is five foot five or five foot six maybe. And almost every one of their boys is over six foot tall. And it's like, where is all this height coming from in the family all of a sudden? You know, whoa. And I have another brother who's got sons that are over six feet tall and his wife is five foot two. So, and none of my brothers are six feet or over. My dad was six feet and my dad had a brother who was six foot four, I think. But anyway, the point being that, yeah, there always been men who are larger than other men. And were there giants? Goliath was considered a giant. David meets Goliath. All the men of Israel were afraid to fight Goliath. So yes, there are these men who are larger than other men and, but that, that's not what happens in the pagan society is they like, oh, these men are gods because they're so big. They're so imposing. They're so strong. They're so. And by the way, this, this, um, this phrase here about the mighty men were of old, the men of renown, that's not necessarily a compliment. Okay. In the context, it means men who were what? Who were ruthless, who were heartless who were boastful and haughty and insolent. Remember in, in Romans um, chapter 1, verses 28 through, through 31, where it, it says all, when, you turn, when you turn yourself over to sexual immorality, what happens? How do you become? You know, well, evil and wicked and boastful and haughty and insolent. You can't be told what to do. You're not going to listen to anyone. And so we have these ruthless men. In, and so you have these Nephilim whom, yeah, the ancient pagans thought, oh, these were descendants of the gods, obviously, because they're so large. They must be some kind of god. No. And again, men are worshiping the creature rather than worshiping the creator. This is a problem. We aren't supposed to worship the creature. That's idolatry. It's a sin against the first commandment. We worship God, our creator. And he is the only one we worship and serve. And we don't worship any creature. Catholics don't worship the Blessed Mother. We honor her like Jesus did, the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. <clears throat> Pardon me, frog in the throat there. So it's not so much, don't focus on the Nephilim and miss the context of what's going on here. 
the Nephilim represent the re- that that generation of people who turn away from God and in their haughtiness, in their ruthlessness, in their insolence, they make themselves out to be gods and they have others worship them and then they lord it over others. And by the way, that what follows on that is sexual immorality. That's the next step. And we see that in our own world and we need to pray. We need to pray that we get back to purity. You know, the, the, the communists in the 1920s decided that they weren't going to persecute the church, at least some of the communists, after they, what the debacle in Mexico where every time they tried to kill Christians, Catholics, more Catholics came up and it only created more Catholics. They decided, well, let's, let's, there's another way to go about this. Let us subvert the morals of the youth. Let us tell them they have to take off their clothes to exercise. And in subverting the morals of the youth, then we will be able to destroy the church because once you subvert their morals, they'll turn away from God because they'll get addicted to their sins and they'll, they have to choose. They either have to go back to God and say, I'm sorry and humble themselves, or they're going to just say, well, God doesn't care what I do. It's just, you know, no, you can't pay God lip service. He does care what we do, what we do in our bodies forms our character. We are God's children and we're supposed to act like God, behave like God as his very dear children. And so Romans is calling us to accept the grace of God, the grace of God that it doesn't cover over our sins and we're just rotten inside and just covered over on the outside. No, the grace of God transforms us from within to become living images of God. We are are God's children who image God and are supposed to show God to the nations. And so when we turn to God, then we can live a moral life. One man can be faithful to one woman and one woman can be faithful to one man in marriage for life. Marriage is for life. God made marriage and the rules governing marriage. It wasn't man-made. When man makes it, go back and look at the Canaanites. How was it? It was a man could have as many women as he wanted and he could swipe swap and he could do whatever he wanted. And that's, this is not God. So we need to return to the Lord. We need to go back to God, worship God, put God first in our lives. God has to be the reason for our living. And there's going to be a lot more in Romans that might be hard for us to hear, but we need to ask the Lord for the grace to accept his grace and follow through on it. Lord, I believe in you. Increase my faith. I hope in you. Increase my trust. I trust you. Strengthen my trust. I love you. Let me love you more and more. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for your um, questions on the app. And we'll be back again, please God, next week with more of Bible with the Barbers. We'll be looking at the book of Romans so you can read ahead and study it, read some commentary on it. So we can get deeper insights into what does it mean to be children of God, temples of the Holy Spirit, heirs to the kingdom of heaven, made in God's image. And what does it mean to live in his image every day of our life? St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. 
O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.